What up? We are back again today in the studio, and it is time to get the ball rolling. What up? We are back again today, and it is time to get the ball rolling. Excited to talk with you guys. Uh, I know it's been a little bit uh, of time, and this year has been such a big shift, uh, obviously due to the pandemic, and you know, we're bringing some coaches on. I've been a little bit uh, more careful about that because there's always the possibility that we don't have a football season, and I mean, I want, I want to be able to talk football and stuff like that, but I really want to see kind of how the next little bit plays out uh, as far as some of these uh, conferences announcing, you know, if they're going to be playing, if they're going to be waiting to the fall uh, or the spring, sorry, or if they'll play in the fall, the spring, you know, the, the Ivy League is expected to announce that and uh, we'll be following that situation really closely. But uh, regardless, let's get away from the, the COVID-19 pandemic and let's just talk some college football because that's what we like. And uh, honestly, uh, it's taken me a long time to find this comp. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. And I don't know if it's ever been used before. Um, but I've been trying to figure out how Michigan and Ohio State, what's going on in that rivalry. Now, uh, growing up, for many of you, uh, you know, I've talked about it a little bit, fans of the show. If you're new to the show, my dad is a huge Michigan fan. Uh, this is the guy who he decided to apply to Michigan just to say, see that if he could get in and have an acceptance letter. Yes, he still has that acceptance letter sitting at our house. So he is an, uh, a Michigan fiend. He loves Michigan, and that's his football team. You know, out here in Utah, he loves Big Blue. And uh, I grew up in, in a household where we liked Michigan, where we cheered for Michigan. And uh, you could almost guarantee every Saturday was a Michigan game, and every Sunday there was a Chiefs game, you know, obviously without buys, uh, you know, excluding buys. But that, those are who my dad liked, so I watched a lot of them. And, uh, you know, over the last little bit, I've seen uh, my dad continue to get frustrated. You know, why can't we be Ohio? What's going on? And, uh, I've been, uh, you know, I'm like, you know what, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, he's a tremendous coach. I, I don't understand. How are they not getting it? Uh, this last year, I thought, you know, well, maybe this is the year they can do it. Uh, I still don't know if Ryan Day can coach. And uh, the score was 27 to 56 in Ann Arbor. So I'm like, okay. I want to go back and do some digging. We're just going to go into the history books. Now, uh, 2000 probably doesn't sound very long ago for some of you, but for me, I was only three years old in 2000. So we're going to throw it back till then and even all the way back to 1988. Again, sounds a lot longer than what for a lot longer than what it was, but I wasn't even born yet. I still was uh, nine years, you know, and then I'd be uh, entering this world. So we're going to throw it back to there. And I was like, okay, what if, is, is there a comp to who Jim Harbaugh is? And will Michigan fans be okay with him overall uh, as a person if he continues on the same trajectory? All right, so we're going to go in to uh, who Jim Harbaugh is, and then we're going to have a comp, and the comp is actually going to surprise you 
so much. Uh, and, and so we'll, we'll get into that. So John, or sorry, Jim Harbaugh. I keep on saying John. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, the other guy. You'll, you'll see why. But So Jim Harbaugh, he started his uh, coaching career at San Diego, the University of San Diego. Now they're a private. Uh, they're a Catholic school down in beautiful San Diego, California. Uh, they play in the Pioneer League. He led them to incredible success. Uh, had an overall record of 29-6. and six, uh, Did some amazing things. You know, after his his playing career, uh, and then as most of you, when you were introduced to him, he was at Stanford University, uh, and he was able. I mean, if you remember, you know, take a Stanford team, which honestly Stanford had been uh, irrelevant. It was an academic power, uh, never really thought of in the athletic realm. Maybe cross country, maybe track and field a little bit. Uh, you'd hear, you know, one really quick kid that went to Stanford, the brainiac that went to Stanford, but you never really heard their name. I mean, I remember uh, since. I could uh, honestly since I was about seven or eight years old I've been predicting college football schedules and stuff like that and I always remember putting Stanford I mean I can go back and look at my books and I would predict it I mean oh and oh and uh, 11 or oh and 12 1 and 11 2 and 10 those kinds of things that's where I thought Stanford was until Jim Harbaugh showed up and uh, he was there in at Stanford from 2007 and 2010, and in San Diego, the FCS, obviously, the Toreros, uh, 2004 to 2006, right? And then he ends up going on uh, to coach the San Francisco 49ers, and he's eventually called back to his beloved Michigan Wolverines uh, to take over a program that has been kind of run through the mud, uh, not living up to expectations, and they think they, they see him kind of... I wouldn't say as a savior, but somebody who, who can get Michigan back to, to what it was, restoring the tradition of Michigan, right? And, I mean, if you look at, at his predecessors, uh, Rich Rodriguez didn't really do anything, and uh, Brady Hoke, again, really didn't do much. I, I mean, Brady Hoke did have one year that was good, but you could say that it was Rich Rod's kids because it was his first year, and he went 11-2. and two, and Then, I mean, 8-5, and 7-6, and 5-7, so he actually got worse every single year. But then, after a 5-7 and seven year in 2014, Brady Hoke gets fired, and in, in steps 2015, Jim Harbaugh. He goes ten and three, ten and three, eight and five, ten and three. Last year, nine and four. Uh, obviously, losing to Alabama this last year in the bowl game, but nine and four regardless gets the nine wins. And everyone's like, they're they're like calling for his for his head. They're saying, you know, this guy, we need to fire him. What? No, I love Jim Harbaugh and what he's done. He arguably has restored Michigan back to what it has been. Michigan in the last. Uh, I mean, we're talking, I mean, I know that everyone's going to go, well, back, you know, way back when they won national championships. Now, their claim national championships, the majority of them came back in the 30s and even before that. Since World War II, they've had technically one national championship. Now, they have unclaimed national championships uh, in, in, in 64, 73, 85. But really, it was, you know, Lloyd Carr's 97 national championship that we remember. So, you know, you're like, well, the tradition, I guess they were one of the perennial powers or one of the blue bloods, if you want to use that word. Uh, but honestly, Jim Harbaugh has now... Uh, restored them to what they were. Now, Rich Rodriguez, people are going to say, you know, he did you know, terrible, terrible things, destroyed what Lloyd Carr had done, went away from the pro formation, uh, and Brady Hoke just used restaurant kids, didn't ever do anything, and Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh arguably is back to what Michigan football has been. 
And I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, why would people call for his job? And why are people, why, why can't Michigan fans honestly just be happy? Uh, and so I want to try to find, I tried to find a comp to who Jim Harbaugh is. And the answer is going to surprise you. And his name is John Cooper. Now, for many of you, that might not ring a bell. You know, if, if we're talking as far as, uh, uh, millennials, Gen Z, whatever you want to call it, you're not even going to remember. You might hear Woody Hayes um, mentioned around, uh, you know, uh, the the Ohio State uh, program, and obviously maybe a little bit Bo Schembechler, Beckler uh, for Michigan, but you're probably not going to know who John Cooper is. And I didn't really know it until I was reading in a book this last week, and I and I, and I was kind of hinted at it, like John Cooper, you know, averaged X amount of games uh, at his time at Ohio at Ohio State. Sorry if I say Ohio, that's just due to the fact my dad, you know, hates Ohio, and so we always call him Ohio. So Ohio State. I want to get better at that. Ohio State, right? So John Cooper, he. Uh, we're going to give a little bit of a history. Wonderful coach. He coached uh, for, in, uh, at Ohio State from 1988 to the year 2000. Uh, before that, he was at Arizona State and Tulsa. Now, he was at Tulsa when they were in the Missouri Valley Conference, so technically the FCS, if you want to get into that, if we're getting into technicalities. And he went 56-32, and 32, had a 30, 63% win percentage. So uh, remember, we're kind of going to compare it to Jim Harbaugh a little bit later. Then he moved to Arizona State. Pac-10, right? At the same t uh, at the, during that time, he went 25 and nine. What about 73 percent, 74 percent of his games? It's hard to do it with them because some of they they do have ties because they didn't have overtime rules, uh, you know, back then. If you if you want to go there, and then he goes to Ohio State, goes 111 and 43 with four ties. Uh, his overall winning percentage was 72 percent at Ohio State, average about eight and a half wins per year in, in that 13 year stretch from 80 13 season stretch from uh, 1988 to 2000. Now I was like, okay, wait. Why does this look familiar? Outside of really, you know, Jim Harbaugh having a little bit higher of a win percentage at San Diego with 82%, and he then moved to the Pac-10 uh, at Stanford uh, with a 58% win percentage. He moves on to Michigan, who right now Jim Harbaugh is winning about 72% of his games. Wow, doesn't that sound really familiar? FCS, Pac-10, Michigan. FCS, Pac-10, Ohio State. Okay, this, I'm not even kidding you, I'm not making this kind of stuff up. And, uh, you know, oh, at the end of it, uh, Jim Harbaugh right now, I believe, is averaging 9.3, 9.4 wins a season at Michigan, so he has a little bit higher win percentage, but he also didn't coach for 13 seasons. Well, uh, Ohio State University, they let John Cooper hang around for a while, and uh, obviously, if you can, if you're at you know Ohio State or if you're at Michigan, if you're not beating the rival, then what are you doing, right? So in 1988, uh, the first game that was uh, played uh, for John Cooper. Uh, as the coach of Ohio State, he lost to Michigan. He actually loses outright his first four times and ties in the fifth, loses the sixth game, and finally wins in Columbus the seventh time he plays Michigan. Now, Jim Harbaugh, he has now 
faced Ohio State a total of five times and has lost all five times. Now, uh, the only difference, and if, if you want to go, uh, I mean, if we're really getting nitpicky, and, you know, in the first five, you know, a tie, so overtime you would say would be a tie, which that overtime would be in 2016. So arguably... Jim Harbaugh and John Cooper at this point in the career in their in their in their tenure at Ohio State or at Michigan, they technically have the exact same record against the rival. Now it wasn't until the seventh time in Columbus that they, that John Cooper won, and this is Jim Harbaugh's sixth season. He he goes to Columbus this year, which you're going to say, well. You know, not going to win there. I mean, Ohio State's one of the favorites, right? Ryan Day, uh, Justin Fields. Ohio's the favorite to win that game. So let's just say Ohio wins it. They finally, Ohio State wins the game in 2020. In 2021, if Jim Harbaugh still has his job, they bring it back to Ann Arbor. And that would be the same year that John Cooper would have beat Michigan. Uh, that if Jim Harbaugh can win in 2021, would have the exact same trajectory. Now, John Cooper? Good coach. I'm not going to complain. I'm not even going to bag on the guy. He had some serious. He he had some wins. Obviously, uh, won in '93 Holiday Bowl against BYU. Uh, he won the Rose Bowl uh, against Arizona State, his formal team, his former team, uh, and he won in the Sugar Bowl against Texas A&M. So you know he he. Did pretty good for the most part, you know, winning the Rose Bowl, winning the Sugar Bowl, and uh, you look at it for for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh was able to, uh, you know, win in the Citrus Bowl. He lost in the Orange Bowl, lost in the Outback, lost in the Peach, and last year lost to Alabama. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So he was able to get at least one. I mean, he got the the Citrus Bowl uh, victory over Florida, where he kind of trounced on him. So that's what. Jim Harbaugh is, and that's what this Michigan Wolverine team is. Michigan fans, you cannot expect him. I mean, when you find a comp, right, history is is going to repeat itself. Now, you're not going. Now, Michigan fans are going to be like, Jim Harbaugh is not that. Are you kidding me, Tyler? You, you, John Cooper, he did not have to deal with the same kind of dysfunction that Rich Rod and Brady Hoke brought to the organization. Well, true. But before uh, John Cooper got there, Earl Bruce went six and four his last season. He did pretty good before that, but six and four his first season, four and six. So honestly, it wasn't like Ohio, uh, Ohio State was really being the best in 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 '87 when they hired John Cooper. Same thing with Jim Harbaugh wasn't really doing the best when they hired him after the Brady Hoke era. So this is what's going to happen, right? Uh, Jim Harbaugh probably this next year wins. Eight, nine, ten games, uh, depending on quarterback, depending on you know what happens during the season, depending on if we only play Big Ten foes. I mean, technically they're scheduled at Washington, home against Ball State, home against Arkansas uh, State. So those are their you know non-conference games. Uh, but if we stick to like a conference schedule, which I've seen and I've heard a lot of people talk about, uh, you're going to go like, well, you know they're going to win the majority of the Big Ten, probably lose to Penn State, maybe lose to Ohio State, and uh, you know they'll get one win, which will be an upset against Wisconsin. Uh, because, you know, Wisconsin kind of embarrassed them last year. Uh, so, honestly, they're going to win eight or nine games. That's probably what's going to happen this next year. Uh, again, barring anything crazy. And hopefully in 2021, when we have a vaccine for the coronavirus, and uh, we, have, we have things and things are a little bit more stable, then maybe 
maybe they play a full 12-game season. They end up winning. You know, Michigan wins. Uh, Justin Fields had moved on. Ryan Day is kind of in his third year. It's his kids. Maybe not the same kind of kids as Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer might not even be there. Might be coaching somewhere, I would think, in the NFL. Hopefully he makes that leap. No longer kind of around the program. And Ohio State might take a, a dip. Or Michigan might go up in that season. Seventh year. Literally the same kind of thing. That's what my prediction is going to be for Michigan and f- for Ohio State if you want to get there. So, no, I don't hate Ohio State. I do like Michigan, uh, mainly because I've watched them and I don't want to cheer, uh, you know, openly cheer against my dad. But there's the comp. Jim Harbaugh is John Cooper of old. Now, you would say, again, you don't want that comp of a rival, but that's really what it was, what it is. And uh, kind of interesting how I was able to find that. Uh, you know, obviously, I could be way off base. Let me know. You tell me. You know, at GetRolling19 on Twitter, if I'm crazy, uh, you know, follow us. Uh, be sh- you, you can send us a message, email us, whatever you want to do. But that's just how I see it. And uh, Michigan fans, if you're happy winning, you know, 8, 9, 10 games this season, uh, maybe once in a while getting a, a punch in against Ohio State, you know, getting one, uh, maybe two in a row, uh, but probably not because Ohio State's been getting, you know, an in, in incredible recruiting class. If you're fine with that, then keep Jim Harbaugh as your coach. And I love Jim Harbaugh, but obviously there's a ceiling to certain talent. And uh, I really see the comp. FCS, Pac-10, Ohio State, FCS, Pac-10, Michigan. Kind of crazy how that all works out. All right, we're going to be taking this step aside as we did our little comparison and talked a little bit about the game uh, and this upcoming year. Again, Michigan is going to be going to Ohio State November the 28th, barring anything that happens too crazy. Uh, Still scheduled right now. I'm not going to change it until I hear otherwise uh, or see, you know, obviously in the news otherwise. Uh, So we're going to take a step aside and bring you back kind of another interesting topic. I'm kind of digging on the rivalries. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Stay tuned. And we are back after that ad break. And uh, I understand that we... We kind of well, we wanted to talk about you know the the game today. We wanted to talk about Ryan Day. We wanted to talk about uh, you know Jim Harbaugh. We talked about John Cooper and Jim Harbaugh and the similarities. And we are going to do something a little bit different. And we're going to continue with kind of this rivalry thing and trying to find comps within the rivalry. Uh, I was actually going to touch on the BYU Utah rivalry, but uh, something has piqued my interest as uh, during the the break. I was able to pull up uh, my Twitter. And if you don't follow us at GetRolling19 on Twitter, uh, you know, you're going to miss some updates. But but be sure to follow us. But I'm, I'm looking. And uh, the Fox Big Noon kickoff team uh, decided to, you know, put out their top five coaches right now in, in the game. And honestly, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm going to tell you why. And honestly, it goes right along with uh, what we've been talking about today. Uh with, with kind of the, the comps, uh, you know, big names in, in college football, uh, the coaches and stuff like that. So he, here it is. Big news, college ki- kickoffs, top five coaches. And I understand that during, you know, the COVID crisis and, and you know, during this pandemic, we got to make lists and stuff. And, and it will give people content to talk about like me. So we're going to talk about it. Number one, Nick Saban, which honestly, no, no, no debate here. Uh yeah, I mean, he's won some serious national championships. He's done it in a very remarkable and smart way. And pretty soon he's going to be playing Ohio State. Well, if he sticks around, he'll be playing Ohio State in a few years. Uh, but for the most part, you know, he's he's done it. And uh, he usually plays, 
you know, three or four cupcake teams. Uh, he pulls a couple bottom feeders from the SEC, and he has to play one or two really tough SEC games throughout the year. But you know what? He's a great coach. I, I got to give credit where credit's due. So we're not going to uh, argue there. Number two, Dabo Sweeney, which, you know, you would say uh, maybe a little bit more recency bias, but he's built a program uh, down there in Clemson, South Carolina. So I'm not going to argue there. Good job, Dabo. Number two, probably. Probably. Even though he has beat Nick, you know, the last couple times, but okay. Number three, Lincoln Riley. And uh, I think we're kind of, this is where it's like, okay, we're going to kind of start getting into opinions. Lincoln Riley is great if you want to score a lot of uh, score a lot of points uh, and win the Big 12 every year. But as far as like a championship team, I'm not betting on the Oklahoma Sooners anytime soon. That's just me. I, th I think he's a great offensive mind and stuff. I just don't know if I, I see it, uh, you know, long-term and stuff like that. He, he's got to get over the hump. And when he gets over the hump, it's kind of like with, with, you know, LeBron James or whatever. Once when you get the national championship, then, you know, critics like me kind of go quiet. But I'm waiting to see it. But honestly, probably number three. I'll, I'll give it that. Number four, Ed Orgeron. Now, this is where it's like, okay, uh, I'm confused what we're getting at. Ed Orgeron uh, was the head coach at Ole Miss, and uh, he was – like the last eight games at USC and at LSU. And honestly, up until this last year, people were saying, if he doesn't do anything, we're going to fire him. Hello, Les Miles had, I mean, he had an impeccable record at LSU and they ended up firing him. So why would they keep the Swamp Monster around any longer? But okay, well, well for the sake of it. Yeah, he had Joe Burrow. He had one of the best college football teams statistically ever. Uh, had a really good uh, offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. But we're going to put that aside again. And this is where the next one really ruffles my feathers. And no, I am not an Ohio State hater, uh, but I want to talk Frank right now. And the number five was Ryan Day. Now, uh, I think a lot of broadcasters and stuff, they're not, they're a little, nah, I wouldn't say timid to go after uh, because, yeah, you can be critical and it's really easy to be critical. It's really hard to talk good about somebody. But Ryan Day, we're going to say that him in one year at Ohio State, as arguably one of the best programs in the nation, he's one of the best coaches. We don't even know what this guy is yet. Uh, yes, he, uh, you know, yes, he took him really far this last year, and he lost to Clemson. And people are going to say, "Well, it was the hit that knocked so and so out." No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Ryan Day in that first. Uh, one of the reasons I say this is Ryan Day in the first half of that national championship, you know, the semifinal, whatever you want to call it, against Clemson. I was I was actually able to watch this entire game, and it's amazing how technology works. I was on a flight from Portland to Salt Lake City, uh, and if you don't know that, it was about two and a half hour, two hour flight ish uh, after getting on the plane, getting off the plane, and I was able to watch up until the third quarter. From the third quarter, I listened uh, to my house, got home on the fourth, so I really just missed a little bit of the third quarter, but I was listening to it on the radio. Regardless, uh, in the first half. Ohio State threw literally everything. They were doing things. They were running plays and using formations that Clemson, quite frankly, wasn't ready for. And Clemson had kind of coasted. If we're going to talk about coasting, they had kind of coasted in, playing in a very weak ACC, uh, kind of coasted in uh, on fumes. And they were just like, you know what? We're going to walk in. Ohio State's going to roll over because we're the mighty Clemson. But Ryan Day threw everything at him. 
And what did Dabo do? He adjusted. That's what's one of the characteristics of a great coach is the adjustment. If you're at halftime and you are and you are losing like you know Clemson or or struggling like Clemson was, you gotta adjust to see what's going on. And then what happens? Clemson goes and wins the game. And uh, I understand, you know, you'd say, well, there are certain calls, whatever. Ohio State had a chance to win that game. They did. And, you know, it turned out 23-29. to 29. Uh, Like I said, Ohio State fans are going to complain, but that's what fans are for. But me as, as the media and, and as a spectator and as I'm watching this, it really looked like Ohio State was playing at the top of their game because they knew they were going to catch Clemson off guard. Clemson adjusted. Ohio State did not adjust. That's why they lost. So that's one of the things. I'm like, okay, well, but but it was to a, a superior coach. We have Davo number two, right? According to Big Noon kickoff, but but we don't know what Ryan Day really is. Uh, he's he was three and zero going into the season. He ended up winning thirteen games in the season, so that puts him at sixteen and one overall as his record. But you're going to say, well, you know, he he's good. Well, he took over a really good program. That was in really good hands from Urban Meyer. And honestly, the comp that I've came up with with Ryan Day, and many of you might push back on me on this, but this is where I think, honestly, I see it as Will Muschamp. And you're going to go, why? When Urban Meyer left the Florida Gators in 2010, so 2009, uh, you know, we know how that season went. 2010, he went eight and five, stepped away. Uh, I believe he said medical and family issues. Just decided to get away from the Florida Gators and uh, pursue other avenues. Right, uh, the Florida Gators in 2011 went seven and six, but Urban Meyer wasn't hanging around the program like he is right now. I believe he's an a- ambassador, or athletic something or other, at Ohio State. So he wasn't really hanging around the program. He he completely up and left. Gainesville and went back, I believe, to Ohio. Um, and then, you know, a few years later, he takes over in 2012 of the Ohio State Buckeyes. So he kind of he got out of Dodge. But in 2012, we have the Florida Gators team who ended up in the regular season going 11 and 1. They their only loss was to Georgia in Jacksonville, and uh, they ended up going to the All-State Sugar Bowl. And they did lose to Louisville, uh, led by Teddy Bridgewater. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, honestly, Ryan Day, the comp could be Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp had incredible success initially with Florida, right? I mean, outside of the first year, but in his second year, 11-2, and two, and we're saying, oh, wow, Mil- Will Muschamp, he's not taking a step back. Well, after he gets fired or let go, however you want to say it, in 2017, he jumps over to the South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, Oh, sorry, he left in 2016. He ended up going to the Gamecocks in 2016. Went 6-7, 9-4, had a pretty good second season, 7-6, and six, and this last year went 4-8. and eight. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, South Carolina being a little bit different, uh, and Steve Spurrier leaving, whatever. Uh, he, he hasn't really showed the best of himself. 
Nine wins is pretty good. Eleven wins at Florida has been his best season yet. Uh, but anyway, I see this kind of as Ryan Day. And once when Urban leaves, because I genuinely believe that he'll end up either— he, I think he's sniffing around the NFL. I think he's doing his due diligence. And he will either be back in college football or in the NFL. I don't see this guy. I mean, he's young uh, as far as coaches go. Uh, he's young. He is a brilliant mind. He's an, a winner. He was a winner at every place he went. Bowling Green, University of Utah, uh, Florida, and Ohio State. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna leave. And can Ryan Day stand on himself? And that's the question. But to say that he's one of the top five coaches right now in college football is ridiculous. We don't have enough sample size. With Davo, we have a sample size. With Nick Saban, we have 14 years at Alabama to say, okay, yeah, this guy's you know he's a pretty good coach. Um, with Davo at Clemson, we have he's entering his 13th year. We can say that's a pretty good sample size. Like I said, once when you get going down the list a little bit with Lincoln Riley, you're going to go, well, he's only been there X amount of years. You know, he's, he's only entering his fourth year. True, but how are we going to define greatness as far as coaching goes? Obviously, we gotta we gotta include championships, uh, conference titles, right, and then overall national championships. And there's only been a few people that are winning the national championships, so it's going to rely more on conference titles. Now, there's some guys that I would replace that I feel like we have a little bit bigger of a sample size uh, with than. Uh, then Ryan Day. And some of these names, I mean, obviously are arbitrary. And I'm not saying that Ryan Day is a lesser coach. I'm just saying we got to put him on hold. He's like in waiting. Now, in 2017, I was very, very critical. I didn't have my podcast, but those of you who know me, I was very critical of Scott Frost and everything that everybody was touting him as the next brilliant mind in college football. That he had taken UCF to another level. And yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're going to pull up UCF's uh, schedule and, uh, I mean, he took over for uh, George O'Leary. Uh, George, in 2010, went 11-3. 2012, 10-4. Uh, 2013, 12-1. That's kind of when UCF came on the scene, 12-1. In 2013, was their Fiesta Bowl win over Baylor. Uh, 2014, went 9-4. 2015, 0-12. Ended up leaving the program. Scott Frost went 6-7. and uh, And then 13-0. and And I always said, you gotta give it a little bit more time. We gotta see him recruit. We gotta see how he builds a program. Well, Scott Frost at Nebraska... I mean, seriously, what what has he done? 5-7, uh, 5-7. And, seven, and, seven, and this year, I mean, probably 5-7. and seven. But we're not going to let the cat out of the bag there. Now everyone's going to say, well, no, Nebraska. Are you kidding me? They're going to be good because they've been good before. No, probably 5-7. and seven. And, I, and I'm sorry. It was 4-8, and eight, then 5-7. and seven. And it's probably going to be 5-7 and seven again. But, the, but we're not going to talk about that, right? So here are some of the names that I came up with. Somebody like a Chris Creighton. Now, many of you who don't know that, Eastern Michigan coach. You're going to say, what? Tyler, what are you talking about? You're going to go all the way down into the MAC to, to pull a comp over Ryan Day, who just led the Ohio State Buckeyes? Yeah, why not? Chris Creighton, before uh, his time there at Eastern Michigan, they had went to one bowl game. They have now gone to three. That's three times more than what they have had. He has a uh, doesn't have a winning record yet, but I do like Chris Creighton and what he's been able to build around uh, down there in in Eastern Michigan. Next one, Jim McLean. Well, Tyler, he was at he was at uh, you know Florida. Florida had some issues after Muschamp and Urban Meyer. And they're finally starting to get on track with Mullen. But I think Jim McLean really did a good job in that time to be able to build something up. And, uh, you know, he did well at Colorado State, built a pretty good program. Florida, he was at Central Michigan last year. The year before went 1-11. Last year went to the MAC title. 
didn't win, but still went to the MAC title. Congratulations uh, on, be on being mentioned. Another one, you're going to say, whoa, this is going to be way out of left uh, left field. And, and it might. Bill Clark of UAB had to stay the course when his program had left since losing his program uh, in 2015. In 15, they didn't play a game. 14, he went 6-6. Six and six. 17, 8-5. and five. 18, 11, and 3. Last year, 9 and 5. Stayed the course. This guy's legit, right? And and his overall record is a winning record at UAB, which UAB before him had went to one bowl game. Rick Roxdale out in Middle Tennessee State. 14th year. 87 and 78 going into last year. He did go 4 and 8, but he's taken Middle Tennessee State to multiple bowl games when they didn't have any before him. He literally has taken them to every single game. Well, and, and as we go through these, you're going to go, well, I mean, yeah, sure, whatever. Troy Calhoun, Air Force, 87 and 67 going into last game, or last uh, last year. He's done things at Air Force that, and, and brought them to double-digit wins that hadn't been done before. we got to think of these guys. Yeah, they're not national champions, but we got to look at them and take it for what it's worth. Uh, another guy that I really like uh and uh, Ken Numatololo at, ten at Navy, incredible guy, has done some amazing things for that Navy program. Uh, he's entering his 12th year, 87-58. and 58. Last year, an 11-2 and two season. 2015, 11-2. It's not so much just, uh, you know, inheriting a good program and then riding the wave. You've got to have sustained success. We're going to jump over to Willie Fritz, entering his fourth year at, at Tulane, Finally got him to a bowl game and was able to get a win in the bowl game. Tulane's a hard place to win. I mean, I can continue. We can go through literally every single school. Kyle Whittingham, David Shaw has done uh, done really good at a team. Even I would even dare to say Mario Cristobal has done better than what Ryan Day has faced against insurmountable odds after Willie Taggart had kind of left. And Mark Helfrich didn't really do a good job at Oregon. He's built them back up with Oregon talent. Herm Edwards starting to build that. Now, if Herm goes to a double-digit win season, we can do it. Let's pump the brakes just a little bit on Ryan Day. I'm not saying he's not a top-five coach. I think he's a good coach. But let's have a little bit bigger of a sample size that we're able to put it up against. And then finally, I want to land on, on my favorite. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern is one of them. Uh, before his time there, I, I believe he had only went to— uh, Northwestern had been to four bowl games. He's now taken them to nine. Uh, and multiple—I mean, I don't think they've ever won the Big Ten, but they've been in the Big Ten championships when before, you know, Northwestern was an irre irrelevant team. Uh, one of my favorites is Coach Scott Satterfield. He's 47-16 and 16, uh, going into last season. Last year, he was able to get eight wins, uh, so that takes him up to 55-21. and uh, 21. So a really a tremendous coach. Takes a 2-10 and 10 Louisville team. Two eight and five, and some people are saying this year they're going to be able to battle Clemson. Now I don't know. I mean, obviously I love Louisville. Uh, I really like Coach Scott Satterfield, so I don't want to be blinded by uh, my love and, and and adoration of of you know his schemes and everything. But you you start to look at it. Even Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, we can throw him out there. Uh, you know, Coach Scott Satterfield is four and zero in all of his bowl games. He was able to. He I mean he started at Appalachian State took him to 
really good heights, uh, then jumped over to Louisville, turned it around. People are starting to say, you know, they're an 11 or they're a 10 win team this next year are going to be getting, they're going to be the ones battling Clemson going forward uh, in the ACC Atlantic division. Like I said, let's just pump the brakes on Ryan Day. I think this is kind of a comp of Scott Frost when, you know, he ended up going to Nebraska. And Nebraska is a little bit different of a program than Ohio. He inherited a really good, uh, you know, tenure, and you're going to— but let's see what he does throughout the recruiting process. Uh, You know, I looked at the 2020 recruits. I believe Ohio State was ranked uh, 11th or 12th, and before that they were a lot higher— in 2021, obviously not all commits are coming in. As of right now, I see it as number two. Uh, they do have more five stars than Clemson. Uh, let me see if I hit refresh. Uh, Tennessee, obviously up there, North Carolina. These other and and recruiting is not just a straight indication uh, of the overall success of a program, right? But I'm just saying we got it. Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, and even if we want to go into the uh, the FCS, I think Jay Hill is a tremendous coach. Uh, Kurt Signetti out at James Madison, a really good coach. We gotta have a little bit bigger of a sample size uh, to be able to determine it. Two, maybe three years. After your third year, these are 100% your commits. Um, you know, your fourth year, it's really kind of your do or die moment. We say it a lot on here, so let's not get too crazy. Uh, let's not put him. I think you gotta wait to to rank those kind of guys uh, after we have a big enough sample size. 17 games, isn't it? And when you played the legit talent of Clemson, you folded. You were not able to adjust. Now this next year. He's going. He can prove me wrong. They play some big dogs, and I'm really excited to watch. Uh, I mean, obviously, barring that we get a college football season, I don't like Ohio, but I'm going to or Ohio State. Uh, obviously, because of my dad. I mean, okay, I'm neutral. I want to say I'm neutral on him. Uh, but they do go on the road at Oregon, which will be a tough game. They are at Sparty at Penn State and home against Michigan, so they are going to be tested this next year. Uh, I'm excited to see what Justin Fields does. I really want him to to see if he can take it to the next level, and uh, we'll see after losing all that talent if they're able to replace it and to see what uh, Ryan Day can do on the recruiting path. All right, this has been another edition of Get the Ball Rolling. We're grateful for all of your uh, love and support. Uh, just wanted to go reiterate that. Uh, again, I think Jim Harbaugh is the John Cooper of Ohio State. Michigan fans, take it for what it's worth. If you think that you need a new coach, maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're just fine winning nine games a year, eight games a year. That's on you guys. And uh, obviously first half. And then the second half, we talked about kind of some coaches that we like uh, that might not be, you know, top five. Even Lincoln Riley, uh, I feel like we're kind of splitting hairs to put him as the third best uh, without, you know, yeah, Big 12 titles, but I guess – a different standard and stuff like that. But again, interesting to talk about as we are dealing with the COVID crisis. All right. Well, uh, more and interesting news along the way for get the ball rolling. We love you guys. We love your support. Be sure to follow us at get rolling 19 on Twitter until this next week. Uh, you know, stay safe out there and enjoy your summer because fall is barreling down on us very quickly. Stay safe again. Uh, and let's keep this ball rolling into next week. Have a good day.